0: So today we continue continuing our series uh, called Reconnect that I kicked off last week. Uh, last week we focused on reconnecting or connecting for the first time with the Lord, if you had. And I asked the question, and the message was titled, are you a disciple or just a follower? And we saw clearly from three different Gospels that there's a distinct difference between the two. There's a distinct difference between a, a, just a follower and a disciple. How do we know that? Because Jesus told Matthew, come follow me and be my disciple. And it shows, and I showed you in three different Gospels, the clarity of that. Then I showed you from Matthew chapter 9, five attributes of being a disciple. Now, I know last week people were dealing out of electricity or maybe dealing with hurricane cleanup, and uh, we didn't have, our power was on here, but we didn't have internet last week, so we couldn't stream the service. So if you were not here last week, I strongly, strongly encourage you to go check out that message. You can go on our app, you can go on the podcast, Vimeo, YouTube, wherever, our website, and check out last week message now today we're going to talk about getting reconnected with others in the church and this is what i 'm really this is really the the heart and the, the the heartbeat of this mess of this series that we're going to do we're going to continue today and next week it's reconnecting with those in the church today i'm going to show you from the scripture the power of partnership the power of partnership how powerful it is when we partner up in relationship with other brothers and sisters who are in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ one of the best ways that we can reconnect with people in the church is through live groups there's many different ways like the men's supper like the ladies breakfast yes like coming to services on 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 Sunday and prayer meetings on Wednesday night but live groups and I'm gonna break it down and show you how live groups are are one of the most valuable ways to partner up with people but first, I want to show you the purpose of life groups and let you say, okay, why do we do this? And, and every year, we, we just want to cast a vision and share our heart. If you're new into the church, just started coming, or if you never thought like, uh, you know, I don't know about a life group and that's, you know, something, you know, that I don't really need or I don't know why the church does that, I want to show you from the scriptures why we do life groups. Here's the purpose of life groups and the power of partnership through genuine relationships. You're in Act chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to verse beginning verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now drop down to verse 46. It says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Isn't that powerful? Each day, because of what they were doing, the Lord added to those that were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Pray that you'd bless our word. Help us to continue to to stay connected or to reconnect with you. But most importantly, or just as importantly, Lord, I mean... Help us to reconnect with one another right here in the body of Christ. Lord God, help me to clearly, uh, Lord, share your word, to preach your word, make it clear. I come against all distractions. We bind up any plans of the enemy. Give us the grace, Lord God, to not only receive but apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From these verses of Scripture, we see there's two different spheres of ministry in this verse. We saw there was the temple and then in their homes. You see, doctrine and prayer was done primarily in the temple. That's when they were teaching. They were teaching the scriptures. At the time when this was written, they were teaching the Old Testament and and, and the prophets and the Psalms. Uh, And fellowship and discipleship was done primarily in the homes. You know, it's basically the same thing today. Our Wednesday and Sunday services is where we teach the scripture we worship together, and where a corporate prayer takes place, right? You see that every single Sunday. We start with worship, we pray together, and then there's a, there's a teaching from the Scripture. And on Wednesday nights, which I've, I've turned Wednesday nights mainly into to prayer meetings, but still, it's the corporate worship prayer, and then we always still have a nugget. Every time we get up here, there's some kind of Scripture that's still read, a sharp nugget, and then the first Wednesday is a full message. So it's the same thing today. Teaching of the doctrine, worship, and prayer happens in a, in a in a a larger setting, gathering on Wednesdays and Sundays, and then fellowship and discipleship takes place in life groups, either in someone's home or mainly here on campus. Someone said this, and it's so powerful. Discipleship happens in circles, not in rows. Discipleship discipleship happens in circles, not in rows. Now listen, ain't nothing wrong with rows. You need a row. This is Sunday morning. You need a row to hear the word of God in a circle where someone can hear your heart. Let me say that again. You need a row to hear the word of God like this morning, but then you need a circle where somebody can hear your heart. You need to be in a, a life group, a smaller group setting in an intimate relationship where people can hear your heart. Like I said, I can't hear your heart this morning. With all the people that are in here to services, I have you lift your hands, I can pray for you, but I don't know exactly what's going on in Gabe's life right now. I hadn't talked to Gabe yet this morning. Now, me and Gabe's in a relationship, I know him, but I haven't I don't know right in this moment what's going on. When you're in a life group, that's what happens. And this is a great example. John Wesley, many of you are familiar with with the Methodist denomination. John Wesley started the Methodist denomination, and you know how he built that denomination? It was through small groups. It was through small groups. Listen to this. Every member had to be in a class, a class, which would be like a small group because I'm going to show you in a minute. It wasn't just like a teaching class. They had to be in this group 11 out of 13 weeks in a quarter or they did not get to punch their ticket to be a Methodist the next quarter. He required them to be in a small group if they wanted to be part of the Methodist denomination. And listen what the format was. It wasn't a class like, we, like a teaching class. Their format was simply going around the circle, and each person was tell their state of their soul, any temptation they faced that week, and a scripture they used to defeat the temptation. That was John Wesley's format of his, it was it was a small group. It was a life group setting. They they were in a circle in relationship, and they 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 talked about what they were facing, how they were doing a temptation, and what they used to overcome it. That's still a powerful format today. If you want to host a life group, lead a life group, I'm telling you, you don't have to know the Bible right in front and back. You can sit around and say, "Hey, how you doing?" What's going on in your life? Okay, really? Man, I'm struggling with this. Well, what scripture did you use to, well, let's let's try to, if you don't know one, let's try to find one together. That's a great format for a life group right there. You open up in prayer, you talk, you find out what's going on, and listen, mutual discipleship begins to happen. Yes, we have life group leaders and life group hosts, but as I said last week, being a disciple, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. There can be mutual discipleship. Yes, there is mentors and, and people that we pour into, but you can also have mutual discipleship. And that's what was happening here in, in, way back in the day with John Wesley. We also uh, say this all the time, that life group, what is a life group? For family, life, church, so life groups are small groups of people doing life together. I've said that for years, and I hadn't read the Greek word for fellowship. You remember, it was fellowship and discipleship. Now, a lot of times we'll use that word fellowship as like, oh, yeah, man, we're going to hang out. You know, me and EJ and Neil, we're going to hang out, we're going fellowship. And that's part of it. But listen, the, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, and it means a close, mutual relationship And participation in life together. That's what the Greek word koinonia means. It's a mutual relationship and participation doing life together. And that's why we have life groups. It's a smaller group of people doing life life together. So that's why we have them. That's the biblical origin of life groups right there. We see it from the Bible. They did it in the early church in Acts. We see John Wesley, great man of God that a lot of us read about and quote and, and see a, a, a huge denomination that was built through it and a move of God revival that went through. And that was one of the ways that he did it. So now I want to show you the results of living in relationship like this. Now, if you're with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, well, let's read Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 2. Some of you are familiar with this verse. Very powerful, but we see right here the power of partnership in these few verses. This is King Solomon that wrote this. He says, Two people are better off than one, for they can each, they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can each can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, Solomon's life experience and his observation with people living independently caused him to consider the importance of friendship and the value of doing life together. That's why, and if you read right before this, Solomon talked about how how tragic it was for a man to live his whole life alone. If you read through the whole chapter in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, then he turns to like two are better off than one. From these verses of Scripture, we see four payoffs of partnership, four payoffs of the power of partnership. Being in true relationships with others will help us in four key areas, in our work, our walk, with warmth, and with warfare. If you can remember today, remember those four words, Walk work, walk, warmth, and warfare. Let's look at that. Number one, we all work better together. Every single one of us work better together. Now, you may be an introvert, and you say that's not true. I like to work by myself and whatnot. And in some cases, I understand, but but let's look at I'm gonna give you some 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 illustrations here. And we know that overall we all work better together. Ecclesiastes 4 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Yes, you can't accomplish a lot by yourself if you're an introvert and like working alone, but when you get somebody to help you, you can accomplish so much more. Two are certainly better than one when it comes to working because two workers, of course, again, can get more done. Even if they have to divide the profits, let's just talk about work and, and actual physical work and business. Even if they have to divide the profits, they still get a better, still get a better return for their efforts than if they worked alone. Also, it's much easier to do difficult jobs because one can be an encouragement to the other, which we'll look at in a minute. And if you did any kind of hurricane cleanup in the last six weeks, you understand how two are better than one, right? It's no fun trying to take a branch off of somebody's house or tarp a roof by yourself, is it? It's so much better. We see it right here in South Louisiana. Had a crazy hurricane season. And every time you had people together that are working together, that are that are helping each other, clean up yards and pull up even at my house, even though it wasn't in my uh on my house, we had a big oak tree branch that fell and it was me and my son and I'm on a ladder with a post on, he's up there in the tree trying to pull it in. And man, my wife was praying in tongues because that branch fell like right by me while I was on that ladder. <laughs> and so it's like I didn't want to get hurt, but I also didn't want to end up in America's Funniest Home Videos either, you know. And so, although that could be a good payoff there too, if you ever watch America's Funniest Videos, you win a prize if you're the laughing stock of the nation, you know. So. So anyway, we, we really enjoy our show. But it, it's true. I had my son, my 15-year-old son, in the tree with me helping me. I couldn't have got that big old branch out of my because we were cutting and pulling. And he was tugging on it and pushing it. And two are better than one. So whether you're working together on a job or maybe a project or in ministry trying to further the kingdom of God... Two or more people can create synergy. I know a lot of you have heard the word synergy. The word synergy means this, the interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements, contributions, etc. We create synergy when we begin to work together. You know, a few years ago, uh, me and my whole family, we got to go up to Wisconsin uh, in February and go on a vacation up there. And one of the things we did, our, our children love horseback riding, is we got to ride these big old Belgium horses. Anybody ever rid- ridden a Belgium horse? It's a big old beautiful horse. It's like not as big as a Clydesdale, but it kind of in between, I guess, what our regular horses would be and a Clydesdale. It's a, it's a very, very big horse, beautiful horse. We got to ride through the snow. It was an awesome time. But you know, I found out recently that Belgium horses can pull 4,000 pounds alone. Now that's a lot, right? That's two tons. 4,000 pounds by themselves. So you would think if two Belgian horses get together, they can pull double, right? This, that would, that's what you would think. Well, two of them can pull 16,000 pounds. Isn't that crazy? Now, if they've known each other for any amount of time, they can actually pull 24,000 pounds. Two Belgium horses. If they've known each other for a long period of time, they can pull 36,000 pounds. We're still talking about two horses here, but what's the difference? They've been knowing each other. They've been working together. They, 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 they've been together. So you go from 4,000 alone, now we're up to 36,000 pounds if they've known each other a long time and been working together. And the record for two Belgium horses that knew each other from birth and worked together all their lives is 52,000 pounds. You think two is better than one? Now think about this. If animals can produce this kind of synergy and carry it out, how much more me and you, if we team up with another spirit-filled again believer to do any kind of work, whether it's in your business, whether it's at home cleaning up, or whether it's in ministry or it's in life, we're working together, two are better than one. Amen? We all work better together. Number two. That was work. Number two, we all walk more securely together. Not only do we work better together, we walk more securely together. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. See, two are better when it comes to walking out our faith. Let me tell you right here, we were never meant to walk out our Christian faith alone. Never. There was never a time God has designed us to be in community. And we just read that in Acts. They were together in the temple. They were together at home. The word, praying, worshiping, eating together, sharing everything together. See, roads and paths in Israel were not paved or even leveled at the time Solomon wrote this. And there were many hidden rocks in the field as well. So it wasn't uncommon for even the most experienced traveler to stumble and fall. Maybe break her bone or even fall into a hidden pit. How wonderful it must have been to have a close friend that can travel with you, right, as you walk in alone. You know, if he's talking about physical falls here, how much more does it apply to those when we stumble in our spiritual walk and need people to help us back up? We walk through life and there's a lot of rocky roads in life, right? And, and, and especially there's a lot of hidden pits. Some are very obvious, but sometimes we go along and we're trucking along. We think we're doing good, but we need a friend to stop us and say, hey, man, you need to be careful here. Hey, woman, you need to be careful. You need to be careful what you're doing here. I, I see this is going to end in some destruction. You're going to fall here. You're going your, your life's going to get derailed if you don't be careful here. We all need somebody in to walk with us through life. Look at what Galatians 6, 1 and 3 says, dear brothers and sisters, if any if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, look the terminology he uses, help that person back onto the right path. Help that person back onto the right path. That's what Solomon said. He's, he's, that's the terminology There's We're walking through life, and sometimes we fall into sin or some temptation, and we need somebody to help us get back on the path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. I love Paul here. You are not that important. If you think you're too important to help yourself, you're not that important. Now, that's that's a whole other message there, talking about how we need to help people out. But that's part of it, right? We got to say, hey, listen, just as we need help, we need to help others as well. And that's what's important about life groups. Listen, it's not just for you. It's for others as well. That's what's so important. Listen, you that are at home, I'm encouraging you today. Listen, and I'm going to just take this opportunity right now to say, listen, I understand everybody has different places, different medical conditions and whatnot, but I want to encourage you to get back connected into the body of Christ. Not just virtually, you can put on a mask. We have our cleaning crews here, cleaning, but it's time to get reconnected. Amen? It's time for us to get reconnected into the body of Christ, into, into both corporate settings, into life groups, men's suppers, and whatnot. You can be safe. We have plenty of room. We can spread out. You can wear a mask. And we're, like I said, our cleaning crews are here, cleaning before and in between services. See, it's a game changer when we have a Christian friend who helps us to walk straight. You know, I have three men in my life that helped me with this. Pastor Todd being one of them and being the main one because he's my spiritual father. And he's been for years. So I have Pastor Todd as my spiritual father, and then I have two friends that are about my age, two of my best friends, and they're both in ministry. I actually had lunch with one of them this week to talk to him about this specifically because guess what? I need this just like anybody else, right? So I'm sharing that with you. We all need this, myself included. That's, that's my, my group of guys right there. And so, you know, and it, it's so true, my, and it was awesome is that our wives and my wife are good friends. And I even told him this, I'm going to just be transparent with you. This week, as I had lunch with one of them, I told him, hey, man, I, I need you in my life. Because you know what? If 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 your wife tells, my wife tells your wife something, maybe the way I may be treating her and my children, I want you to call me out on it. I want you to come to me and say, hey, man, I heard, you know, you're doing this. You know, you, you, you need to straighten up and fly right, so to speak, right? So listen, I have this in my life, and we all need this in our lives. I didn't write it in my notes, but I remember hearing this recently. You know, it this was talking about Christian leaders, and, and so many things have happened. So many people have fallen off the off the, the path, and destruction, and ministry, and, and families have busted up. And I heard somebody say this, you know, we need to do a better job putting fences at the edge of the cliffs instead of just ambulances at the bottom of the mountain. Amen? That's what I'm encouraging you to do right now. When you get in relationship with people like this, you're putting... Uh, fences at the edge of the cliff instead of just waiting for somebody to fall off and to go try to save their lives or bandage them up. Amen? We all need this. We all, we absolutely if you don't have this in your life in your walk with the Lord, it is absolutely necessary that you find somehow. Obviously, first thing, pray about it. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to lead you to these, these people. Sometimes it's people already in your life you may just be hanging out with. But, you know, like for Pastor Todd, I mean, obviously that's a natural. I got saved here. I got discipled here. You know, and these two guys, these are great friends of mine. They're both in ministry. We're both about the same age. We understand. But I wanted to be more deliberate. I, I prayed because, you know what, I had a man of God ask me a few months ago, who's your three guys? And I thought, of course, first Pastor Todd and these other two guys immediately came to my mind. And so, you know what? These are relationships that were already established. If you don't have established relationships, you need to pray about it and ask the Lord to lead you to some people. And then, of course, join a life group. If you don't have these kind of relationships, we have the kiosk in the lobby. You can go online. And listen, let me release you. I've heard people like, oh, man, I went to that group, but it it didn't it didn't work out too well. Well, listen, you may have to go to two or three before you find the one you really connect with. I had a brother in the church tell me he went to one for a little while, and he's like, man, it was good, but it just wasn't for me. You know, it's kind of like, and that's okay. That's all right. That's why we try to provide different things. So pray about it, and then look, try to get connected in a life group. And again, come to men's supper and ladies' breakfast. And I believe if you're praying about it and you come to events like this, and for the men's supper, after I preach, we're in... You know, round tables and we're having discussion and that kind of talking relationship there, I believe the Lord he would divinely connect you to some people to have those kind of relationships. Amen. Are y'all ready me? Number three: we all need encouragement and love. This is warmth. Talked about work, walk. This is warmth. We all need encouragement and love. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm? alone. You know, back then, two travelers camping out or even staying in the courtyard or an Republican would feel the cold air of the night and need one another's warmth and comfort. I, I thought about this, that we know that if you're married, you you know that that's a blessing even today. When even though we got heaters and blankets, right? My wife typically goes to bed before me, and so man in the winter when it's cold, she I, I wake her up almost every night because I get in there and then I start snuggling up next to because you know it's already the bed's already hot, right? Her body she's her body's got it hot, so it's like it's cold on my side, so let me come over on your side where it's already warmed up, right? So and she's like ah what you doing? You know I'm trying to warm up, man, you know right? We know that now. That's a great picture. We do that even with our technology of heaters and blankets. But, you know, warmth is a picture of comfort. When he said two can keep each other warm, that's a picture of comfort, right? When you picture a, a, a cold night on a fireplace and, and some hot chocolate, some coffee, it's, it's a warm feeling, right? For all you Hallmark people out there, right? That's the picture of Hallmark right there. Hide cocoa at the, at the fire. Just a picture of warmth in your warm pajamas. Warm, it's comfortable, right? You want to get inside where, you, where you're comfortable. See, when people encourage you and love you, Especially during long seasons of discouragement, it brings comfort and warmth to your soul. You remember John Wesley would ask them what their state of their soul was? When well, you've been discouraged, you've been hurting, you've been disappointed, you've been frustrated, and people come alongside of me and they love on you and they encourage me, encourage you, it helps you. See, back then, again, when Solomon wrote this, the only way to be warm alone, those travelers would have to carry extra blankets, but it would add to their load as they were traveling. If they were by themselves, the only way to stay warm, they had to add to their Lord, and it would weigh them down. Listen, when you go through long periods of discouragement alone, it'll weigh you down. And, of course, we look, I understand that the Lord, we do need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Trust me, I understand. I always tell you, that's why daily Bible time and spending time with the Lord, many times I've just got to encourage directly from the Lord. And we need to do that. That's first and foremost. That's why the first message was on being a disciple. Amen? Amen. Last week, I preached a whole message on you got to connect with the Lord first. People can't be a substitute for the Lord. It has to be a supplement. Amen? It has to be a supplement. This is We have to be connected with him first, but he's designed it that as we're connected with him, we bring other like-minded and hearted people around us to help encourage us in love. Because I do get encouraged by the word of God directly. I do as I worship, as I pray. But, man, it's a blessing when somebody comes alongside of me and says, man, you're going to make it. You're doing good. I'm let me, let me encourage you. Ms. Clovia is one of those ladies. Ms. Clovia is one of my mom's best friends, or my mom's best and She's one of those encouragements. She's she's always encouraging me. She's one as especially as we were transitioning, taking over, all that stuff going on, she was one that, and there's others. Brother Francis, there's men and women of God that come alongside, and a lot of you have, and encouraged me during those times. We need that. Listen, you know, during the quarantine earlier this year, there were some doctors in California that came out that said suicide killed more people in California than COVID did suicide and kill more people than COVID. And why is that? People that were already struggling mentally and emotionally, they were isolated and they didn't have nobody around and it led to their demise. And it wasn't only in California, all all across our nation, we've seen this, there has been a rise in suicide. Why? Again, because people need each other. You need to be connected. And even with the virtual, they'd have virtual meetings with their therapist and their counselor and still it doesn't Again, it's not, a, it's not a substitute for this, for face-to-face, getting around each other, breaking bread together. We need this. This is a worst-case scenario of the effects of not having anyone to help you when you're in a dark time. Look at 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. See, when we encourage each other, it helps us experience the love and peace of God. That's what I was talking about. We we, we, we encourage that. We have that peace when somebody... Speaks into. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it as well when I was preparing. I was just reminded there's somebody actually in this church. Uh, some good friends of mine and and, um, and and their son tragically passed away, and they asked me to do the eulogy. And it was in another church, uh, uh, another denomination, uh, and I had never spoken in, in that in that kind of church before. And I was very nervous that the service was going on. It was an older pastor that was doing it. And I'm like inside, I'm just like, I'm building with like being nervous and some anxiety. And I'm just like, man, I'm really. And in that moment, my wife had no idea. In that moment, I looked over to, and she looked at me and she said, you're going to do great. She had no idea what was going inside, but that was a word from the Lord. The peace of God came upon me right there when my wife encouraged me. And she didn't even know. I, later I said, could you tell I was nervous? She said, no, I just, I just felt like encouraging you in that moment. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I felt the peace and the love of God come on me, and it, and it, and it did. It worked out great. Matter of fact, that pastor that's been in ministry for many, many years came up to after me after I shared Philippians 4. Think upon things that are good and honorable and praiseworthy. He came up to me and he said, you know, that Philippians 4, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, I'm about to get... Corrected here. He said, that's one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. He said, if more people did that, they'd get rid of more of their thrakas in their life. He said, thank you for sharing that. And he gave me a big old hug. Praise God, right? Isn't that a blessing? But you know, that encouraging word from my wife and then this man of God who had been in ministry long when I've been uh, alive encouraged me as well. We need that. It helps us to experience the love and peace of God. I've talked to so many people, y'all, more than one In this church, that told me that when they were discouraged or going through a dark time, either their life group leader or somebody in their life group um, encouraged them, loved on them, and stood in prayer with them. Amen? Which leads to my last point. Number four, we all need somebody that has our back. We all need somebody that has our back. This is warfare. We need somebody that's going to go to war with us. Amen? I'm not just talking about throwing up a little token prayer. I'm telling somebody that's willing to go to war, willing to go to war, stand in agreement and and do warfare with you. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. You know, it was dangerous for anyone to travel alone at this time that this, this scripture was written day or night. So most people traveled in groups, again, for companionship but also for safety. See, we all need people who will stand in faith with us and do spiritual warfare for us when we're under attack, when our health, our family, our job, our children, or maybe even our church is under attack. Amen? Like Pastor Todd uh, uh, asked y'all to pray, and I want to encourage y'all. We still have some staff members. We've been going, there's been a lot of health issues throughout our staff in the last two years, and I want to encourage you, when you're praying, do wear a for our staff, would you please? Because we still have, Pastor Kelly's going to have another surgery. We had another staff member. There's different things going on uh, that's that's recovering. You know, Pastor Rob's doing good. But we, it just seems like we were hit in the last two years with so many health issues in our staff. And I don't believe that's coincidence. Because we're a church staff and we've dedicated our lives to to furthering the kingdom of God. So listen, I'm asking you right now to come and do our fair for us. Amen? Pray over us. Pray over our staff if you would. We see a good picture of this when King David had a friend that stepped in and saved his life when he was being attacked. You remember, Old Testament is a is a picture in the, in the physical of what needs to happen in the natural. Second Samuel twenty one fifteen and seventeen. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of battle, listen to this: David became weak and exhausted. Ishbosheth was. A, Was it a descendant of the giants? His bronze spear weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abijah, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Listen, we all get tired, exhausted, and weak in this walk at some times. Isn't that right? And if you see that in the spiritual Sometimes the enemy has us cornered and is ready to try to take us out. And we got to have friends in our lives that know this. David didn't even call for this guy. Did you notice that? David didn't even call for him. He had a friend. He had a warrior that recognized that he was about to be killed, and his friend came in and, and, and slayed that Philistine. See, when you have friends like that that are willing to do warfare, they know. And some of you in here, you've experienced that. And, again, life group people, you've experienced that when somebody calls and says, hey, man, the Lord just put you in my heart. What's going on? What's happening? Has anybody ever had that happen? Like you're in a dark place and, like, somebody called out the blue and said, man, who told you I was struggling? Nobody. The Lord told me. I just sensed as I was praying this morning that hey, you got something. What can I pray with you about? And you need people in your life. We all need people, someone That'll have our back and go to war with us, spiritually speaking, amen? That will pray and that'll do our affair. So, as we close this up, in Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon started with the number one in verse eight. We didn't read that. He talked about how one man, how tragic for a man to live all alone. Then he moved to two in verse nine, but then he closed with the number three in verse 12. Ecclesiastes 4 12, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, one cord can be broken easily, two cords, would require more strength, but three cords woven together could not be easily broken. You see, if two travelers were better than one, then three were even better than that. Solomon had more than just numbers in mind when he wrote this church. He was thinking about the unity involved in three cords woven together, right? There's something about, they're not just together, they're woven, they're intertwined together in unity, in perfect unity that brings supernatural strength. What a beautiful picture of unity and a genuine relationship, friendship, and partnership. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was going over my notes. It only takes three people to make a life group. Two people is a one-on-one. Three people is a life group. Amen? You don't need to have a, a huge, you don't have to have a thir- 11 to 13 like Wesley. Some of our groups do. They are big. All you need is three of you, and you got your life group. You got three people, a triple-braided cord. It's not easily broken. So remember, you need people in your life that will help you work Walk for warmth and for warfare. Amen? Everybody in here, you at home, it's time for us to get reconnected. You know, at weddings, you've probably seen this now, but at wedding ceremonies, they actually use the triple-braided cord uh, as, as, as a part of the ceremony. Like the unity candle or unity sand, they use the triple-braided cord. And in weddings, and this could be as well, and we've preached it this way, and you could, you could look at it this way, that the third part of that cord is Jesus. And I've done it. I've been a part of it on this very stage where the bride and the groom—they they, it's different colors. They kind of twisted, and then I twisted, representing you know God as as the pastor, and and it represents Jesus. You know the most important relationship you can have and you need, as I said earlier, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you in a relationship with Jesus this morning? This is the most powerful partnership you will ever have. Is when you partner up, when you yoke up so to speak, with Jesus. Remember we talked about those Belgium horses? They got yokes on them or some kind. I mean, back then they had yokes on ox. But you got to yoke up these two Belgium horses to be able to to pull. When you yoke up with Jesus, it says, my burden is easy and my my yoke is light. Amen? So listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to make a decision to start one today. Would you do me a favor and just bow your head with me, close your eyes, those that are at home as well? We got to have these people in our lives but it starts with you having Jesus as, as the main partnership, the main relationship in your life. Because if you notice, when we started in Acts, everything centered around the Lord. If you notice that in the temple and at home, it was they were fellowshipping. They were, they, were, they were breaking bread. They were participating in the Lord's Supper in the temple. They were hearing the word. They were worshiping. They were praying. True relationship like this that we need that's so powerful has to be centered around Christ. But both you and the person in Christ, I mean that your friend has to be in Christ. See, that's why I knew that was a prophetic word from my wife, because she has a prophetic gift, but it was the Lord knowing exactly what I needed in that moment. So thankful my wife was by my side in that time. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I come to church and I've I've read the Bible here and there, but I'm not sure, but I need to start one today. Because it's not just for this life, but the life to come. See, this partnership is going to last until eternity. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Standing, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The way to start a relationship with Jesus is admitting that you sinned, repenting, asking him to forgive you, and making him the Lord of your life. Would you, would you want to do that today? Have you, if you haven't made the decision... Right now, you say, Brandon, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. Just slip up your hand. If that's you, don't even hesitate. Just slip your hand up. I see your hand back here, ma'am. I see your hand over here. More hands going up. Anybody else? At home, I even want you to raise your hand. I can't see you at home, but I want you to raise your hand. You say, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm right with God and that I have an eternal partnership, but I want to start today. Anybody else, sir? I see your hand in the back. More hands going up. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. We're all going to pray together as a church. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, and thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I repent of my sin. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace, and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, I want to partner with you. I want to be in relationship with you, both in this life and in the life to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Amen. For those of you that raised your hand, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. Fill that card out before you leave. Bring it to the info center. Those of you online, if you made that decision for the first time, there's a link that says connect card. Click on that. Give us your info. We want to give you a Bible and help you any way we can. For the rest of you, why don't you stand up? I want to encourage you this morning, church, before you leave, if you don't have these kind of relationships, Please check out the kiosk of the life groups on your way out. Or if you'd rather go online, go to our website, flchurch.net slash connect, and get connected or get reconnected. Maybe you've been out. Those of you online, I want to encourage you. Hey, this is the time. You can be safe. Put on your mask. Keep your distance. We're cleaning over here, but it's time to get reconnected to the physical church. Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for everyone here today. I plead the blood of Jesus over them, and I just pray, help us to, Lord God, uh, receive and apply this word that we be in genuine relationship with you and with others that we have these circle of people that will help us to work work walk for warmth and for warfare just as you intended it we love you and thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen amen